This is The Truth for Today from Hosanna Free Lutheran Church in St. James, Minnesota. And I am Pastor Joe Faldet. Thank you for joining us today. This is the battle sermon. It was preached outside in front of a live audience. Uh, it's not the pre-recorded one, and so some of the points are going to be a little bit different and the emphases are going to be a little bit different since I don't preach by with notes. pray that God would bless you through this. I'm good? All right. It seems to work without the tents, although not quite as comfortable and... You know, but by the grace of God, we have a breeze, which is also the reason we don't have the tents. Six in one end, half dozen in the other. We got to worry about Art Gisaki's hair getting messed up, and so, um, and Lindy's. You know, it's a windy day when Lindy's hair gets messed up. So, as we get going today, we're going to be looking at Judges 20. Last week, we talked about fellowship. And how we need to be, as Christians, extending trust into this world, extending trust to the stranger, extending trust to the people around us. Because the reality is, they are our fellows. They are brothers and sisters. They are fellow Christians. They are fellow Americans. They are fellow human beings. They are our fellows. And then Nathaniel comes up to me afterwards and says, isn't there a place for the distrust of strangers? And I said, yes. And that's what we're getting in today. You know, we're actually looking at that. What does it look like? Where, where does that come in? Where does that, where does that battle with this world, with sin, with Satan, really, and his avatars, Satan and those who have sided with him, where does that come in? What does that look like? And so with that, let's look at Judges 20, and I'm afraid I'm going to read the whole, pa- the whole chapter. Uh, it's kind of a long chapter, but if you'd please rise if you are able as we read Judges 20. Hopefully we have close to the same versions. Now read in Jesus' name, Judges 20. Then all the people of Israel came out from Dan to Beersheba, including the land of Gilead, And the congregation assembled as one man to the Lord at Mizpah. And the chiefs of all the people of all the tribes of Israel presented themselves in the assembly of the people of God. Four hundred thousand men on foot that drew the sword. Now the people of Benjamin heard that the people of Israel had gone up to Mizpah. And the people of Israel said, Tell us, how did this evil happen? And the Levite, the husband of the woman who was murdered, answered and said, I came to Gibeah that belongs to Benjamin. I and my concubine to spend the night. And the leaders of Gibeah rose against me and surrounded the house against me by night. They meant to kill me, and they violated my concubine, and she is dead. So I took hold of my concubine and cut her in pieces and sent her throughout all the country of the inheritance of Israel, for they had committed abomination and outrage in Israel. Behold, your people of Israel, all of you, you people of Israel, all of you, give your advice and counsel here. And all the people arose as one man, saying, None of us will go to his tent, and none of us will return to his house. But now, this is what we will do to Gibeah. We will go up against it by lot, and we will take ten men from a hundred throughout all the tribes of Israel, and a hundred from a thousand, and a thousand of ten thousand, to bring provisions for the people, that when they come, they may repay Gibeah of Benjamin for all the outrage that they have committed in Israel, So all the men of Israel gathered against the city, united as one man. 
And the tribes of Israel sent men through all the tribe of Benjamin, saying, What evil is this that has taken place among you? Now, therefore, give up the men, the worthless fellows in Gibeah, that we may put them to death and purge evil from Israel. But the Benjaminites would not listen to the voice of their brothers, the people of Israel. Then the people of Benjamin came together out of the cities of Gibeah to go out to battle against the people of Israel. And the people of Benjamin mustered out of their cities on that day 26,000 men who drew the sword, besides the inhabitants of Gibeah, who mustered 700 chosen men. Among all these were 700 chosen men who were left-handed. Everyone could sling a stone at a hair and not miss. And the men of Israel, apart from Benjamin, mustered 400,000 men who drew the sword. All of these were men of war. The people of Israel arose and went up to Bethel and inquired of God, Who shall go up first for us to fight against the people of Benjamin? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up first. Then all the people of Israel rose in the morning and encamped against Gibeah, and the men of Israel went up to fight against Benjamin. And the men of Israel drew up the battle line against them at Gibeah. And the people of Benjamin came out to Gibeah and destroyed on that day 22,000 men of the Israelites. But the people, the men of Israel, took courage and again formed the battle line in the same place where they had formed it on the first day. And the people of Israel went up and wept before the Lord until the evening. And they inquired of the Lord, Shall we again draw near to fight against our brothers, the people of Benjamin? And the Lord said, Go up against them. So the people of Israel came near against the people of Benjamin the second day. And Benjamin went against them out of Gibeah the second day and destroyed 18,000 men of the people of Israel. All these were men who drew the sword. Then all the people of Israel, the whole army, went up and came to Bethel and wept. They sat there before the Lord and fasted that day until evening and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And the people of Israel inquired of the Lord, for the Ark of the Covenant of God was there in those days. And Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, son of Aaron, ministered before it in those days, saying, Shall we go out once more to battle against our brothers, the people of Benjamin, or shall we cease? And the Lord said, Go up, for tomorrow I'll give them into your hand. So Israel set men in ambush around Gibeah, and the people of Israel went up against the people of Benjamin on the third day, and set themselves in array against Gibeah as at other times. And the people of Benjamin went out against the people and were drawn away from the city. And as at other times, they began to strike and kill some of the people in the highways, one of which goes up to Bethel and the other to Gibeah. And in the open country, about 30 men of Israel. And the people of Benjamin said, They are routed before us as at the first. But the people of Israel said, Let us flee and draw them away from the city to the highways. And all the men of Israel rose up out of their place and set themselves in array at Bel Tamar. And the men of Israel who were in ambush rushed out of their place from Merith Geba. And there came against Gibeah ten thousand chosen men out of all Israel. And the battle was hard. But the Benjaminites did not know that disaster was close upon them. And the Lord defeated Benjamin before Israel. And the people of Israel destroyed, destroyed 25,100 men of Benjamin that day. All of these were men who drew the sword. So the people of Benjamin saw that they were defeated. The men of Israel gave ground to Benjamin because they trusted the men in ambush whom they had set against Gibeah. Then the men in ambush hurried and rushed against Gibeah. The men in ambush moved out and struck all the city with the edge of the sword. Now the appointed signal between 
the men of Israel and the men in, am, in main ambush, in the main ambush, was that when they made a great cloud of smoke rise up from the city, the men of Israel should turn in battle. Now Benjamin had begun to strike and kill about 30 men in Israel. They said, Surely they are defeated before us in the first battle. But when the signal began to rise out of the city in a column of smoke, the Benjaminites looked behind them, and behold, the whole of the city went up in smoke to heaven. And the men of Israel turned, and the men of Benjamin were dismayed, for they saw that disaster was close upon them. Therefore they turned their backs toward the men of Israel in the direction of the wilderness. But the battle overtook them, and those who came out of the cities were destroying them in their midst. Surrounding the Benjaminites, they pursued them and trod them down from Nohah as far as opposite Gibeah in the east. 18,000 men of Benjamin fell, all of them men of valor, and they turned and fled toward the wilderness to the rock of Ramon. 5,000 men of them were cut down in the highways, and they were pursued hard to Gideon, Gib, Gideon, sorry, and 2,000 men of them were struck down. So all who fell that day of Benjamin were 25,000 men who drew the sword, all of them men of valor. But 600 men turned and fled toward the wilderness to the rock of Ramon, and remained at the rock of Ramon four months. And the men of Israel turned back against the people of Benjamin and struck them with the edge of the sword. The city, men and beasts, and all they found, and all the towns that they found, they set on fire. Let us pray. Father, as we come now to study your word, we ask that your spirit would come upon us, Lord, that you would that you would teach us and move in us and guide us, Lord, that we might apply these truths into our lives, Father, but ultimately that you might be glorified through these words. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. And so as we begin, one of the other questions that I was asked last week by a couple of people was why in the world did the Levite cut up his concubine? Like, I don't know about you guys, but that's just weird. And so what's going on here? Well, it's, it's this evidence. They needed the evidence. They wanted the evidence. And so the Levite, he didn't just want people to take his word for it. You know, these people of Gibeah, they're terrible people. You know, just believe me. Just believe me. No, he wanted there to be hard physical evidence and the abuse that they had heaped upon this concubine it it must have been so bad that they could just look at a portion of her and see that you know you start to get an image really of what the leaders of Gibeah what they had given themselves into you know you start to get an image of the evil the real corruption and the evil that exists within the human heart that the, the civil culture around them was no longer keeping them in check. They were no longer being despised. They were no longer being shamed for their, uh, the yuck that was going on. I don't even know how to, their depravity. They were no longer doing that. They were no longer being held back. And so they'd given themselves totally into their sinfulness. And the Levite needed that, the evidence of that to go out into the countryside. Because it wasn't just the Levite's word against the men of Gibeah. It was the hard physical evidence that we need that evidence. That evidence is important. And so that's one of the reasons why we as Christians, why we don't do like inquisitions and witch hunts. Because remember the old, um, the old story about how they found a witch? You know, that witches would float, not the one from Monty Python. Not that one. 
Um, but uh, if if they were a witch, they would float. But if they weren't a witch, they would drown. And so what do you do? You dunk them in water and see. Someone gets accused of being a witch, and what do they do? They kill them. If they float, they kill them. If they don't float, they die. And so it's one person's word against another person's word. You've never heard that? That was happening in Salem, and that happened in Europe as well. I don't know why I point south with Europe. Whatever. It's not that direction. That's Brazil. Um, but that's, that's not what we do. You know, if we as Christians are going to unite, if we're going to rise up, like Lisa had asked, we need to be praying that we would rise up. Really, the first thing that we need is we need hard evidence. We need to see as Christians that, you know what, our country is not going in the right direction. We need that evidence. We need to look at that and say, you know, this is what's going on right now. That now it's our time. We need to become united. And that evidence, that's what we need. And you know what? As a Christian, as someone who's looking at this stuff, I don't know what it's going to take now for the Christians in America to stop and say, this has gone too far. We need to be praying. We need to be evangelizing. We need to be confronting. We need to be standing up. We need to be rising up. Because I don't know about you, but I look around and I see evidence all over the place of the wickedness of our culture. I see evidence all over the place of the depravity that's driving deeper and deeper and deeper into our culture. And it's, dis- it's disturbing. It's not going to stop. You know, this is like them trying to appease Hitler in Germany, you know, back in World War II by giving him Poland. Well, we'll just give him Poland. Then he'll stop. No problem. He got Poland, and what did he do? Did he just stop? No. He kept pushing, he kept driving, and that's what the sinful nature does. It keeps driving and driving and driving. And so they wanted that evidence to say, so that they would all unite and say, you know what? We have reached that point. And so at this point, we as Christians, we need to be praying for that unity. That we as Christians in America would all see that evidence and rise up as Christians. That we would see that evidence and rise up and stand against this. That we would stop and say, this is my responsibility too. I can't just rely on the pastor. I can't just rely on Helen. I need to do something. I actually need to speak. I can't just rely on the culture to train my children in Christianity. Do you think our culture right now is going to train your children in Christianity? Really? Not so much. Just watch TV for about, I don't know, four minutes, five seconds. It's not training our children in righteousness. We need to do that. That's our responsibility. Well, we've got all these non-Christians out there. You know what the evidence is? The evidence is that's our responsibility. We need to be speaking to them. You and I, all of us, we need to be engaging in this battle because the evidence is all around us. Is it there? Do you see it? Do you see it? That's what unites us. When we finally see that evidence, when we finally hear that call, it's time to stand against this. We need to be praying, not just that Christians would rise up, but that our eyes would be opened to really see our culture as it is. How many of you have ever believed something that was wrong? Any of you? I know I have. Been kind of deceived. Didn't really know what I was seeing. I thought I was seeing one thing and ended up being that I was seeing something else. And you know, I think that's what's going on in our world. 
especially when it comes to like I've had that interaction with people. I've thought I was interacting with one person and then a situation changed and it turned out that that was a totally different individual. I didn't know them at all. I didn't know them at all. I think that's our culture right now. I think we believe our culture is pretty good because, you know, we live in a small town. You know, things are fairly conservative down here. Not nearly as conservative as northern Minnesota, which is God's country, by the way. But still pretty conservative. Way better than Wisconsin. Um, still pretty conservative. But you know what? That's not our nation. The nation that we live in is not St. James. The nation that we live in is not northern Minnesota. It's other. We have a call. See the evidence. Watch the news. Let it affect you. Don't just stand off and say, nah, whatever. It's them numbskulls on the coasts. We just let God drop them off and then we'll be good. Well, maybe. But make Arizona oceanfront property. No. We have a call here. See the evidence and let it drive you. Because what did Benjamin do when the people of Israel finally became united? When the people of Israel went into Benjamin and said, hey, all we want is you guys to hand over the, the people who did this evil. You know that evil that happened? You saw the part too. You saw it. You see the evidence. It's right there. It came through this land. You saw it. All we want is you to hand over the people who did this. That's it. That's all we want. We don't want to wipe you out. We just want those people. We want those people who have given themselves completely over to evil. What did the people of Benjamin do? They say, you know what, that's logical. Let's do that. Let's purge the evil from our midst. Let's cleanse ourselves. Did they do that? Nope. They said, Israelites, it's more important to be a Benjaminite. Benjaminites first. We're going to stand with the Benjaminites against you and against God. We don't want God's ways. We don't want your ways. We're going to side with the evil. We're going to side with the unrighteous. We're going to side with the wicked. And that's what they did. And so when the people of Israel said, this is evil, this is unrighteousness, the Benjaminites said, but they're Benjaminites. They're like us. We don't care that they're wicked. We care about their tribe. We care about their, their lineage. We care about their position. We care about those things. We don't care about the Lord. And so that teaches us something, doesn't it, as Christians? Our first step is to call people to the Lord. Because as we call people to the Lord, as we call people to live in righteousness, to walk in righteousness, as we call out sin, we give them the opportunity to make that decision. Wow, I sound like an evangelist. Um, but really what we're doing is we're saying, who are you going to side with? We need to know. We need to know. God already knows, but we need to know. Who are you going to side with? Are you going to side with the unrighteous? Are you going to muster for them? Are you going to stand with them? Or are you going to stand with the Lord? You know, if you looked at this as an evangelistic tactic, it failed. But at least the Israelites knew who they were up against. Was it just the wicked men of Gibeah? Or was it the whole tribe? Who are we battling? You know, we, the other thing the Israelites could have done is they could have said, oh, you don't want to give them up? Well, that's okay. They're Benjaminites. We're still, we're still all right. They didn't do that. 
They called them to righteousness. They called them to the floor. They said, hey, are you guys going to join? And the Benjaminites said, no, we're not going to join you. We're going to stand with them. Not only are we going to stand with them, we're going to go to battle with them. We're going to fight you who are seeking righteousness. We're going to fight you who are trying to cleanse our land. We are going to fight you. We want to stand with the unrighteous. You think about that. They want to stand with unrighteousness. They want to stand with distrust. They want to stand with depravity. You want to stand with this? Craziness. And we look at, you're welcome. We look at our world nowadays. We're like, what are they doing? Why would, why would someone give themselves over to a lifestyle that's 100% sinful? Why would someone give themselves over to something that hurts them and hurts everybody around them? Why would someone do that? Same reason. reason. They have an earthly allegiance instead of a heavenly allegiance. They're not seeking the Lord, are they? They're seeking pride, power, prestige, position, position, maybe even peace. Wow, that's a lot of peas. You're welcome, Lindy. Hey, that was an accident too. Lindy's starting to rub off on me. But they're seeking all of those earthly things instead of seeking the heavenly thing. Instead of seeking God, instead of seeking righteousness, instead of seeking grace, instead of seeking peace from the Lord, they seek peace from their fellow. We'll just cover it over. We'll make an earthly allegiance. We're not going to decide for the Israelites. We're going to stand with our own people. We're going to battle against those. So what other option did the Israelites have? They weren't seeking to destroy Benjamin, but then all of Benjamin came out against them. So what did they do? They went to war. It's time to battle. It's time to battle those who are standing with Satan. And I'm, I'm not saying that we're going to go into a physical battle. I'm really, I am praying that we don't enter into a civil war. But you know what? We are in a cultural battle right now. Right? We're in a cultural battle. And we need to be speaking the truth because it's speaking the truth. That's the weapon of our warfare. We need to be praying. I've got all of these assistants. This is great. Don't be sorry. That's one of the joys of being outside. And all of us, almost all of us have had little kids. <laughs> and so, But we need to speak the truth. We need to walk in the truth. We walk in righteousness. We pray. We ask God to work. Like that's the weapons of our warfare. It's not guns and swords. It's words. It's love. It's prayer. It's boldness. Because we live in a world right now that doesn't know boldness. They are not a bold world. Afraid. Terrified. We can stand. We can do battle. We do battle in a Christian manner. But you know what happens when we do battle in a Christian manner? Do we always succeed? No. The Israelites, when they went up, they prayed. They said, God, what would you have us do? Who's going to go first? God said, Judah's going to go first. All right, God's on our side, right? God's speaking to us. God's going to make this work. And they went up to battle, and they got slammed. 22,000 Israelites. That's 5%, almost five, or over 5% of their army got destroyed at that first battle. We would look at that and say, we're getting out of here. 
you know, we didn't have nearly 5% of all the American troops that went over to Afghanistan or Iraq killed. I guess I don't know the exact percentage, but it wasn't 5%. You know, we would have we would have jumped ship. The Israelites, what do they do? They cry out to God. They say, God, should we go back again? God, we, we need you to guide us. They're fasting, they're weeping. God, we need you to guide us. We need you to bless us. And God says, go out again. So they go out again, and now God has told them to go out again. And what happens? They fail. 18,000 dead. They have now been decimated in a literal sense. They have lost 10% of their people in two battles. And now what do they do? Do they just leave? Obviously, God's not with us. No, it drives them deeper into their walk with God. Note that. Did this failure, did it hurt them? Yeah, they lost 40,000 men. That hurts. But it also helped them. It helped them. Because what did they do finally? The whole army. Where does it say that? Verse 26. Then all the people of Israel, the whole army, all the people, the whole army, went up and came to Bethel and wept. They sat there before the Lord and they fasted that day until evening and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. They're saying, there's sin in my life. I've got to get this cleansed. Because they tried and they failed, they saw their sin. They saw their need for God. They saw their lack. They saw their, how they couldn't do it on their own. They saw that. And you know, this failure, this was great. How many of you have ever failed but learned from that failure? Anybody here? You know the only time when a failure is fatal? is when you don't learn from it. That's it. Other than that, there's an opportunity for growth. Then there's an opportunity for growth. That doesn't mean we need to stop. Well, that didn't work. You know, like St. Jams, it was great. But you know, at the same time, there were things in there that I wish we would have done better. One of the things that I have written down is we're getting grease for them swings. <laughs> Next year, we're going to grease those swings. I was sitting there pushing sore and having a hard time hearing Edgar because the swings were squeaking. We're greasing the swings. That was a failure on my part. I should have foresaw that. I should have went out and checked that. You know, the roasters, that was a failure. But you know what? We can learn from that. We can grow on that for next year. But we did check them. And so Vicky's already learned from that. She's already been there a couple times checking the roasters. We learn. Failures aren't the end. If they draw us to learn, if they draw us deeper into our relationship with God, because as you share your faith, how many of you, I'm going to say this differently, how many of you here would like to grow deeper in your walk with God? Any of you? Good. Praise God. You know how to do that? Push your comfort zone. Step into that area that you haven't, that's not well trodden. But I'm, I might mess up. How many of you ever said the wrong thing? I'll put up both of my hands. I'd put up my feet too if I would make me fall over. Say the wrong thing all the time. You know, it's amazing that I can get my foot all the way up to my knee in my mouth. I can do that. But you know what? That causes me to learn. Now when I say the wrong thing, it's not, oh God, is that person ever going to be saved? Because I've actually seen people grow by me saying the wrong thing. 
Now it's... God, you gotta use this because I just messed up again. God, you can use this though. Use it. It drives me to trust God more. My failures driven me to trust God more. The Israelites' failures driven them to trust God more. And when they came to God and when they prayed to God and when they sought God, you know what happened? God granted them wisdom. Because the first two times, they said, we've got 400,000. There's like 26,000. This is nothing. We're going to come in here. We're just going to wipe the floor with them, and we're going to go on our way. And so they just drew up the battle lines. They're bold. They're arrogant. We're just going to do this. And they couldn't do it. And then they said, you know what? We're still, still going to do the same thing. And it didn't work. And the second time they said, hey, let's try an ambush. Why the change? Why the change? God granted wisdom. Think about that. God granted wisdom to a people that he himself called stiff-necked. That means that God could even grant wisdom to Norwegians, Lutherans, Germans. God can do that. And so as the people of God come to God and they pray to God, does that mean that everything's going to work out smashingly? No. But that's going to drive us into a deeper walk with God. And then when that new idea comes, when, when God opens someone's eyes to see that success, we can stand back and say, the Lord gave us victory now because we tried it and it failed. We tried it and we didn't get the results that we wanted. We tried it and we got hurt. But you know, this time it worked. This new thing, that worked. That was God. So then who gets the glory? Is it the Christians? Look how great we are. Look at my wonderful words. Look at all the things that I say right that nobody ever. No, it's look what God has wrought, even through me. Because I saw it. Look at my failure. I've told you guys the story that the first time that I preached on my internship, I had a pastor come up to me and say, you need to question your calling. I don't think you're called to be a pastor. That was a terrible sermon. That was a gut check. Who am I going to trust? My last sermon on internship before I got before I came here, they never asked me back. <laughs> and then God brought me here. You know what? God's been working ever since. He can even use a Norwegian. How about that? Our failures, if they drive us into a deeper walk with God, if they drive us to learn, if they drive us into humility, we could say, God, thank you. Thank you for that first sermon. That was terrible. Thank you for that last sermon. That was terrible. Because I realized at that time, that if the Holy Spirit's not working, nothing's coming out of my mouth that's going to be beneficial. It's the Holy Spirit, not Joe. And so it is with all of us. So as you go forth and rise up, as you speak, as you stand, as you walk, be bold. Trust God. You might fail. That's okay. Trust God and walk in His ways. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this time. We thank you for what's going on in America right now. May we see it and move. May we see it and walk. May you be glorified. Father, may we rise up. May we walk in truth. 
Lord, grant us the boldness that you call us to. We thank you for forgiving our failures and calling us to rise again. The righteous man falls seven times and rises again. Blessed be your name, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.